Welcome to the Life Untapped podcast, where we help you rediscover your potential so that you feel confident, clear, and independent. Have you inadvertently put yourself last all these years by putting others first, only to wake up in your midlife and find yourself lost in the shuffle? Girl, I have so been there. Let me share with you the lessons I've learned to create a new direction to rediscover yourself. Together, let's go on a journey of mastering your potential, tapping into the power that already exists inside of you. We'll talk confidence, self-care, organization, health and well-being, money mindsets, financial hacks, and how to kick your limiting beliefs to the curb for good. We will find and establish your vision, get crystal clear on it. This is your blueprint, your life untapped. I'm your host, Francine Rivera, lifestyle consultant and certified health coach. I'm also the founder of the Life Untapped Coaching System, where you can earn as you learn with our affiliate program. Check it out at thelifeuntapped.com and grab our free mini course, The Guilt-Free Balanced Life, while you are there. Are you ready for your blueprint? Let's dig in. Welcome back. Today, I'm so excited. I have Amanda Neely with us, and she is a small business and financial professional. She founded and ran Overflow Coffee Bar from 2008 to 2018, and now she shares her knowledge through podcasting and YouTube through developing personalized financial strategies for individuals and couples and profitability strategies for businesses. Her goal is to work with people to take charge of their cash flow, leverage their assets, and increase their profitability in ways that would make their grandma proud. So if I had summed it all up, she helps you build a no-nonsense, reliable financial tools to help you reach your current and future goals. Welcome, Amanda. So nice to have you here. Thank you, Francine. So great to be here. So if, can you just tell our listener, I guess, a little bit more about your story, your backstory and what you do? Yeah. So I started thinking I wanted to spend my entire career changing the world, making it a better place. So I started in the nonprofit sector, really enjoyed it, had an amazing uh, nonprofit that I worked for, amazing bosses. And a few years into that, realized, actually, this isn't where I wanted to be. I was an assistant to the grant writer, and then I became a grant writer. And what I was really doing is taking money from people who had it and telling people who didn't have it what they had to do with that money. And I identified more with the people who didn't have the resources and wanted to be like grassroots level with them, you know, helping us change the world together, like, because we were the ones that needed the change the most and everything. And my husband came up with the crazy idea to start a business. And at first I said, no. And then I realized actually businesses and the creation of value, the creation of jobs, that really is a way to, you know, bring resources to people who don't have it. Uh, to start with. And so we went on the crazy journey of starting that business with the sole intention of changing the world. And a couple of years into that, we realized actually we need to change ourselves a little bit more and so on and so forth, you know, as the journey goes. Right. So that was the coffee shop. Yes. So how did you even pick a coffee shop? Like, was that your background? You were like baristas and just loved coffee and just, (laughs) yeah. Um, 
I started drinking coffee in college. Um, the first, you know, uh, year as I got closer and closer to my first finals, but I'd never had imagined myself, uh, working in, in coffee or owning a coffee business. But my husband and I, when we were dating, all of our dates were in coffee shops is my favorite place to study. Even after we got married and we're working, we'd often uh, drink coffee. Um, but he grew up in a neighborhood in New Orleans where there was a neighborhood coffee shop and the owner there knew everybody. And it really was the place that transformed the community. And so he saw that vision of how, if we're going to start a business that's able to transform a community and the surrounding areas, and maybe even the world, a coffee shop would be a great place to do that. I no longer drink coffee, but I love coffee shops. I love their vibe and the way it brings the community together. Where I used to live in Charleston, there was a startup church that had its own coffee shop, which again, brought people in and served like dual purposes of just bringing in people for coffee and community and then like, you know, preaching the gospel. So that was like his intro to bringing the community together. So yeah, I totally love the coffee shop vibes. So, okay. So what happened from there? So you were running the coffee shop and you realized you needed to, I guess, work more on your own personal lives. Did you say? Yeah. And yeah, it was, um, the, during the second year, about two and a half years or a year and a half in our marriage at the rocks, uh, we almost divorced. Uh, I think really the debt from the business, um, kept us together. Cause like, we're not separating a business, right? Like, or separating the debt of the business. How do we do that? And so we are, we at least like struggled on with our marriage and that's when we decided we needed to make some changes. And we didn't know what changes to make or how to do that. So the first thing we did is just say, well, we need to have time to relate together as a married couple. And so we instituted day night every Friday night mm-hmm. where we would, the coffee shop would stay open until like seven or eight, but we would leave at five and let our staff handle it. And they're like, you cannot call us unless it's a real emergency. And the only rule was we can't talk about work. And that was our time to dream and connect as a couple. Mm-hmm. And that really started this like small shifts like that, right? I started taking a morning all by myself just to do Amanda time, right? My husband started taking an afternoon on his own, you know, and then we started looking at our money and we said, well, how can we help our money align more with what, you know, our future and how can we make now our business make more profit to align more with our future uh, personally? And it, but it was that first like little step of instituting date night that started the realizing like we're more than just entrepreneurs we're more than just coffee shop owners. Right. Yeah. Love it. And you mentioned how you took a morning off and your husband took a morning off and that just goes to self-care. And when you're paying more attention to self-care, everything else just becomes better. Exactly. So how did you come up with grandma's wealth wisdom? Yeah. So we, um, sold that coffee shop after a really trying time of having to close because of a flood in our business and then finding out that um, I was pregnant. And we just realized like even the hours we were still working, all that kind of thing, we didn't want to raise our kid that way. So we started exploring options, ended up selling that business. And I was in my second trimester by the time all of that came through. And I was like, husband, no one's going to hire me right now, (laughs) obviously pregnant, you go find a job. And he dragged his feet. Once you've owned your own business, it's really hard to think about employing, you know, being an employee again. Mm -hmm. He was also, uh, early forties by that point. So it, it was weird to like make a career transition. Right. And ended up 
someone uh, was looking to hire people who was a good friend of ours. He was our certified financial planner. His name's Mark. He was looking to hire people to do what he does. And I told my husband, you're, you're good at sales. You could do financial stuff, go apply. Mm -hmm. And he went through the whole process only for Mark to say, you're too entrepreneurial. When you're in the financial sector, you have to be in a box and you're not, you you don't fit in a box. You're way outside the box. Like Mm -hmm. you can't do this. And then a month or two later, he came back and said, actually, we thought about it and we think you and Amanda could do it together because she's a little more inside the box. I'm more of a rule (laughs) follower than he is. Mm -hmm. And, but we don't want you to be our employees because we want you to have the ability to exercise that entrepreneurial creativity and that energy that you have. So we'll just train you, but you start your own business. Like you start your own thing. And so we did, we went through the training where we love podcasting and like content creation. So we hired a podcast producer, but of course we needed a name. We couldn't just call it the Amanda and Brandon show or you right. know something like that. And it was through that discovery process that grandma's wealth wisdom came out because we part of our entire transformation from, you know, being a couple years in the business, not really being profitable, actually being on the edge of bankruptcy all the way through being able to get through that flood and still be able to sell the business was like a dramatic change for us. And it really, the reason we were able to do that is because we had returned to the wisdom of our grandparents' generation that kind of fell out of style in the 1980s and some really clever marketers came up Mm -hmm. with some awesome slogans and promoted a totally different way of doing things. But we found it super helpful to return to kind of how the greatest generation that lived through the Great Depression and the the kind of stable, smart financial vehicles that they used worked really well for us, you know, just after the Great Recession and with taking so much risk in our business, we needed those more stable products to get us through that. And so we're like, well, let's, let's then let's promote the time tested wisdom, not just what's been kind of become conventional since the eighties. Totally love it. They didn't have, I guess the debt, obviously that we have today, (laughs) overall more stability and all that. So yeah, love getting back to that. So would you say it's better to pay off debt or save for your future? Because I know obviously most Americans today have tons of debt. So they're under the stress of, oh my gosh, I I owe all this money and I'm getting older and need to save for my future and retirement. So where should their attention go? Short answer is that it depends, but I want to give you some rules of thumb or some guidelines for what to consider. And I think the worst thing people can do is kind of go to one extreme of, I have to be totally out of debt before I can start saving or the other extreme where they say, I'm just going to pay the minimums on all my debt and I'm going to save the rest because there's like, I think more of a, not necessarily a balance, but a, like a strategic way of going about it. And it depends on what's the interest on the the debt that you have, right? If it's 29% credit Mm -hmm. card interest versus if it's 4% whole mortgage interest, right? And then it also depends on 
how are you saving for your future, for your retirement? Are you, you know, putting it somewhere like a savings account that's going to get very little growth or, you know, somewhere else that maybe gets a lot of growth potentially, but could also lose a lot of value or somewhere in between. Right. So you have to, I think, think about it strategically, be really intentional and put, put together a plan. And what I found is that if you get rid of the high interest debt first and all you're left with is things like mortgages, student loans, that kind of thing, maybe car loans, then you can have a little more leeway in terms of saving and saving is a little different than investing, but maybe saving with some investing as well and just pay the minimums on those debts. And that can be really a fun thing to explore and find the best thing for you and your future and what makes sense for you. Because I've seen when I look at some, you know, young people with six figures of student debt, if they just focused on that before saving for retirement, they never get to retirement funds. Right. But I've, I've been able to show some people that actually you could have a hundred thousand dollars extra by the time you're 70 if you don't put it towards your debt right away and you save it first. Interesting. So it's almost like finding a balance or getting, getting you to where it's like less stressful and you have more breathing room. Yeah. And also not forgetting that because the other mistake I see people making is locking away those retirement funds in qualified retirement vehicles like IRAs and 401ks where then if they needed to use them to pay off their debt or to buy groceries or buy that next car, they don't have any money to do that. And they end up going in more debt, right? And because hardships are really hard to qualify for to take penalty-free distributions. And so there's actually some fun financial products that allow you to save, have that nice cushion, use it to pay off your debt, but have it also still growing for you so that you don't lose it for your retirement too. Gotcha. Gotcha. So all this is always best manageable when you have a coach or an advisor or somebody like you by their side to help them navigate through this. Cause this can be besides the stress, people just block it off. Like they don't even want to think about it. They're like, well, it is what it is. And I'll just worry about it tomorrow, <laughs> which is not the best thing to do. But I would think a lot of people do that, not think about it. So somebody who is just maybe finding themselves with a little extra time, their kids are now out of their house and they want to be financially independent of their spouse or contribute to the household. What would you say? Are there any rules for suggesting like starting like a side business, a side hustle, something online? Women in particular um, think once they have some extra time on their hands and I have like three big things that I come back to if you're thinking about starting a business. Uh, The first one is have that sense of like passion for what you're doing Um, because it's going to be hard and you're going to feel like quitting a lot. At least I I for sure did. There's so many times throughout my journey that I've thought about just stopping and running the other direction. And so that kind of... um, that sense of like purpose, this is part of my destiny, whatever, you know, uh, maybe even calling, right. That you feel, yes, this is what I'm supposed to do in this time. That goes a long way. The second thing is to have a team. 
to not feel like you have to do it by yourself. If that's your spouse, maybe it's involving kids. Maybe it's, um, you know, women that you know in your community and doing it together, right? If it's, you know, trying to never do any of the, the thing of that business by yourself, right? For us, that was, we'd have to go, you know, to a store to pick up product. We'd try to bring someone with us rather than go by ourselves to pick that up. Or if you're, you know, maybe doing something more virtual, you're part of a mastermind or a community of people that are supporting one another. I think that's super critical. And then the third thing might not be surprising from a financial professional. You got to know your numbers and have a plan with the numbers. And that's really hard. It takes some time, but it's totally worth it to have a plan for here's how I'm going to make money. And have a plan for then here's how I'm going to use that money to make sure I'm paying myself what I'm worth, or at least what, you know, I'm moving toward paying myself what I'm worth. I'm running my business lean and not spending every dime that I, I come into. If I'm going to have to go in debt to get started, I'm going to limit it to this amount. You know, those kind of things are really important to decide in advance and then monitor and make sure that you're following them along the way. Yeah. And like, I'm a numbers person, so that comes easy to me. But like I said before, I know there's tons of people who are not like us and again, yeah. would ignore the numbers and just like, just go full steam ahead and wherever the chips land, they land. But that's obviously not the smartest way to do it. So people who just want to go after their big dream now, they have more time in their life and they want to create passive income. You help them create, I guess, or win the cash flow game in real life. Do you have any, any other, I guess, pieces of advice to speak of on that? Yeah. I love that you called it the cash flow game. Cause that's, um, that, that is like a big thing of what we're talking about. Um, right. Like you get out of the rat race, you build a passive income, then you can really go after that big dream, like in that board game, if people are familiar. Yeah. The, if you, is that what you're referring to is that game? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they, they finally, they, they kind of got their vision and, and their dreams back because for so long, they put themselves last because they were helping their kids, raising their kids. And now the kids are gone. They're like, oh, I can do something for myself now. And I've always wanted to do X, Y, Z. Yeah. So if you remember if, um, from that game or if um, no one's played it, I'll give you a sneak peek. Mm-hmm. When you start playing that game, it's totally rigged. There will be offers to buy stocks. And they might not be worth anything the next round when it comes around potential to sell them or, and you've tied up your money in the meantime, there will be real estate deals, right? um, Businesses to get started and not everything's a good deal. And you have to think about it really carefully with the end goal in mind, right? You get that card, you know exactly how much passive income that you need. And you have to think like how strategically am I going to get to that number? And so you say no to a lot of things and that's, it's hard, especially as us women, it's hard to say no to ourselves, to opportunities that seem to come our way. But if we can take anything from the cash flow game, it's learning how to say no. And then of course, also thinking about in that game, you're not supposed to pay off your debt all at once. So I love that you brought that game up. It ties back into what we were talking about earlier with debt. So what would be your top tips for an independent financial future? Yeah. So get involved if you're not already as um, a spouse, sometimes it can be easy to let your significant other handle things for you. Mm -hmm. So don't do that. Get involved, ask questions, make sure your voice is heard. And if you're not being heard, 
find an ally, right? Someone that can help you learn how to be heard, maybe a coach or a financial professional that will listen and help you make good decisions. And then uh, really it comes down to the questions that you ask. And it's really important to get focused on asking the right questions. And the first one is, what do I want my money to do for me? What do I want my money to do for me? If I was queen of money for the day, what would I tell my money to do? Um, very common answer is to make more money, but then you ask, well, do I want any guarantees with that? Or am I okay with risking everything? Right. And really get clear on that. And then you can go look for the financial product and the financial professional that can match you with that product so that you're, you might not get everything you want, right. But you can more closely align rather than saying, well, everybody else seems to be doing X, Y, or Z. I'm going to just go do that because that's what everybody's doing. No. Think about what you want your money to do for you and then align your money with that. That's good stuff. Really good stuff. You have to ask better questions of yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> and then d- dig deep. Love it. So any other parting words or advice you would have for our listener? Yeah. Think about your grandparents and the life they lived. Yes, we are in different times. We have technology. The cost of living is higher. But what kind of wisdom would they have for you? And how are you living into that wisdom? And then think about when you're a grandma, what kind of wisdom do you want to be passing on? And that kind of multiple generational thinking, I think, can really transform financial futures. Um, You know, rather than just thinking, well, how am I going to get through this week or how am I going to get through this month? When you have that longer term, three generation kind of perspective, Mm-hmm. At least um, for me, that really helps me get through this week, you know, get through this month and also take better steps so that I get to that bright financial future that I want for myself, for my now three-year-old and for eventually, hopefully grandkids too. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, what kind of financial legacy do you want to leave? Right. I often think of that sort of good stuff. So good. where can somebody reach you if they need more information? Yeah, very simply, grandmaswealthwisdom.com. And of course, if you're listening on a podcast in the same app, you can find our podcast, Grandma's Wealth Wisdom. Okay, awesome. And I'll put all those links in the show notes. And Amanda, I am so thankful that you are here on the show. And thank you again for all your wisdom. Yeah, thank you for having me. And um, You've been on my show too. So I invite people to check out um, our show to find the episode where you share some of your story as well. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. But before you go, if you found value in today's show, I would love it if you would take a screenshot of this episode and share it with others on social media. And be sure to hit that subscribe button and head on over to iTunes or wherever you listen to rate and leave a review. It is how we can empower, educate, and shift how others visualize their lives. Until next time, my friend, remember to live a life untapped. You are worth it.